to Talk More Talk, the live video podcast where we talk about the Beatles' solo efforts. I'm Ken Womack, moderating tonight, and I'm here with my great friends, Mean Mr. Mayo, Tom Hamyadi, Ken Michaels, and Kid O'Toole, the queen of all Beatles media. Tonight <laughs> our topic is John Lennon's 2004 acoustic compilation, but before we get that, here's Ken Michaels with the news. Oh. Thank you, Ken. Good to have you back, by the way. We've all been yes. missing you. All of our viewers have been missing you. I've been missing you. The whole world's Welcome been missing back. You. The Beatles yes. missed you. <laughs> all the Beatles missed you. <laughs> all right. In Beatle News, the, uh, the long-awaited documentary film for the Let It Be Sessions called Get Back, to be directed by Peter Jackson, originally scheduled to be released in movie theaters on September the 4th, is now being delayed for almost a full year ah. due to the coronavirus forcing movie theaters to be shut down uh, all over the world, really. The question then remains, will this mean the audio box set planned for release this fall will also be delayed? And I personally think it probably will be just to coordinate the video and the audio together. Although there's no official word yet. What do you guys think about that? Anyone? Yeah, I think it makes sense to delay the box set as well. Keep interest in for the theatrical release. Um, it, it also makes sense for them to, to, to stream it on Disney Plus, you know, since it is a Disney release. But uh, I'd rather them keep it to, to theaters so everybody can go there and enjoy it on the big screen and hear that, you know, just that loud, booming audio, yeah, um, so. especially, especially for the, you know, the, the mm. concert on the roof. Uh, I think that would be cool. But, you know, um, I, order, I did pre-order the book um, and I didn't get an email yet stating that that was delayed. And that's supposed to coincide with the, uh, the, uh, the box set. Uh, release so we'll see what happens we'll see if that's a factor yeah um, it's very interesting okay also the chicago fest for beetle fans due to happen at the hyatt regency o'hare august 7th through the 9th has been canceled however like the recent one we had in new york there will be a virtual fest with lots going on uh performances as well as uh panels like the one we did so Hopefully we'll get one going for that one too. It was a lot of fun the last time. Yep. Hopefully we will. Uh, we will be on the uh, the list for uh, for panels. So uh, yeah. so stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I was so impressed with what happened. The the virtual, all the work that was done and coordinated. So much went online. 
you know, over that weekend. It's pretty amazing what you're able to do today yeah. with today's uh, technology. Also, Ringo Starr has a special contest going on right now. In coordination with the David Lynch Foundation, they have a contest going on through the website omaze.com. That's O-M-A-Z-E.com. This is a website that offers contests that help raise money for various charities. What you can win is your chance, along with a friend, to have a private video chat with Ringo. Since Ringo is and has been working with the David Lynch Foundation, who's been providing classes in schools to teach young people meditation, if you win, you can ask Ringo questions about meditation or anything you like. Plus, you will score a one-of-a-kind piece of artwork made by Ringo himself. And best of all, all the money raised will go to uh, healthcare workers on the front lines with Transcendental Meditation Resources through the Heal, Heal the Healers Now Initiative, which was started by the David Lynch Foundation to provide stress-reducing TM to medical providers who are battling the pandemic. Hmm. Now, you do not have to make a donation or a payment to enter the contest, but if you do, you will get more entries into the contest. For example, if you donate $10, you get 100 entries. The deadline to enter is June the 28th. The winner will be announced on or around July 6th. And uh, we don't know yet if Ringo will have a virtual event on his birthday, since he's been doing his peace and love events on his birthday on July 7th. Probably will. We'll certainly know very soon. But check out that website, omaze.com, O-M-A-Z-E, if you want to enter that contest, all for a great cause. Uh, news breaking this past Saturday from London's Daily Mail. And actually, Kit posted this. This is how I found out. <laughs> David Bedford. We're all sharing stuff together. Um, there's a court battle that's about to start tomorrow over a tape that Beatles engineer Jeff Emmerich had in his possession since 1962 of uh, what really was the first session at EMI, June 6, 1962, with Pete Best. Wow. And um, the tape was found in Emmerich's home after his death in 2018. It is said that the recording was deemed not good enough sound quality, and he was asked by EMI to destroy it, but he kept it instead. It's believed to be worth five million pounds, and now the Universal Music Group, who took over EMI in 2012, are going to go to court over who the tape belongs to. Emmerich's family is citing Finder's Law, um, a song on the demo is Love Me Do, but uh, we do know that on that day, they also recorded Besame Mucho, both Besame Mucho and the recording of Love Me Do with Pete Best on drums as on the Beatles anthology. Plus they also worked on P.S. I Love You and Ask Me Why, but we don't those know are, what- Those are the ones I'd be interested in hearing. Yeah, or... yeah so who knows what's on that tape? Hopefully uh we'll find out more. I heard it mentioned again briefly on uh, the Beatles channel uh, today, but I mean very briefly, saying once again that the you know the court battle is supposedly tomorrow. So Ken, have you have you heard anything about this, or is this vague? Yeah, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this one. Yeah, um, you know we've there haven't been very many surprises, at least in this century. Um, so I, you know, it's, uh, it's been a long time since there's been something out there that we didn't know about 
this has been well-trodden ground, uh, the story of the Beatles. And I just, I wonder what, how legitimate this is. Um, this is where I'm going to have to hear it to believe it. Mm. Yep. Um, you know, because there was such a scouring for material led by George Martin and others, and Emmerich was involved uh, back in the early 1990s. So, you know, if you had this, and it was from, you know, the early 1960s, surely it would have become a subject of conversation then, unless that's when the sound quality was questioned. But then why, it, by, by 1993, 1994, um, they may have questioned the sound quality, but they would not have told him to destroy it. I don't buy that. I don't buy that as happened just... in the 1990s, you know. Um, so this, the, the provenance of this, it's like we're talking about an art object, right? It, it's going to be very important when it comes to this, this item. What a story, though. Um, did did, did uh, I, I wonder if his former um, <laughs> entertainment manager and uh, publicity um, was is he involved in this story? <laughs> when, they know, say, I, when they say sound quality, does that mean the production? Does that mean tuning of the instruments? What exactly does that mean? Yeah, we don't know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. If it came from the same board as the other pieces, then it should be fine. But then if it didn't come from the mixing desk then and the tape machine, yeah. you know, what, did somebody have a micro? I'll, yeah. I'll stop there. <laughs> It'll be interesting to, to see how this turns out, because even if it's in bad sound quality, it's still of interest. Absolutely. You know, oh, sure. Any, anything the Beatles ever recorded has historic value. So um, it's just as important as that really um, a uh, cloudy picture that just uh, resurfaced not to what last month or two months ago with um, with the uh, what from 58 with uh, John Paul and George wasn't was that the picture. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, I mean, that's oh. that's that's still just as important as a as an audio, you know, a badly sounded audio recording, I think. You know, Ken, I don't know if this is part of your news coverage and maybe you covered it previously, but what were the final numbers on the Paul Gorish archives that were sold on eBay? I didn't cover that. I didn't okay. at all. Um, well, we could look a, into it. Yeah, I'd like to know what what you know someone paid for those because you you were also allegedly buying the copyright for those photographs, which mm. would make them you know even more valuable. Mm -hmm. wow. Sure. We'll look into okay. that. Okay. Uh, more news here. In the last few weeks. A thousand singers from all around the world, both professional and amateur, were asked to participate in a new recording of Amazing Grace, and a project started by the legendary singer Judy Collins, known for her recording of that song as a sign of solidarity during this very heated climate we are living in right now to, fate, to uh, fight racism in the world. The new recording features Collins along with uh, actor Alan Cumming, Judith Light, Steve Earle, and others. And Ringo Starr has made a special video message to go along with it. Proceeds raised from the single will go to benefit the World Health Organization's Solidarity Response Fund. Paul McCartney has expressed outrage over the Italian government and their refusal to give refunds to his fans who bought tickets for two concerts that Paul had scheduled to take place this month in Italy, all over a decree in which the fans wouldn't receive a refund for concerts canceled 
because of the coronavirus. Instead, they would be given a voucher, good for the next 18 months, should the artist decide to reschedule. Paul said, without the fans, there would be no live entertainment. We are extremely disappointed the shows could not take place. And this is a real insult to the fans. This kind of is ridiculous. A, that's a very exploitative issue and that's going on all over the place. I'm sure probably more than 50% of us have some kind of money wrapped up in somebody's uh, you know, queue. I know I, I have a couple of tickets that are just being endlessly delayed because, you know, as we all know, uh, proprietors would rather not give us back our dollars. Absolutely. Um, this is, right. a, this is a very interesting, and of course, many of them, I wouldn't have thought about the Italian government, <laughs> uh, but of course, over here in the U.S., we have the same old suspects. That's a tough one. Yeah. Well, I know in the case of Ringo's tour, if you bought tickets, they're supposed to be good next it's year true. around the same time at the same venue. So, you know, they're holding up their end of the bargain. Right. Yeah. And we have to hold up ours by being alive, I guess. Whenever, <laughs> yeah. whenever they deign to have the concert, I I got a couple of Supergrass tickets that I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens if Paul decides even if things clear up and the numbers go down? and concerts are back in business. What if he doesn't want to play in Italy within the next 18 months? What if he chooses not to? Then he probably would, but uh, we'll see. He would lose some money on that, though, I would imagine. I mean, I'm mm. sure he's already been paid for, for that tour. Mm. I don't know. Probably a deposit, yeah. yeah. All right. In our last show, I reported that there is a brand new trailer for the film, An Accidental Studio, available online, due out July 28th on Blu-ray, all on the story of George Harrison's handmade films. And the trailer says that the documentary will be on PBS station soon. Well, I can tell you that in New York, on WNET, that's Channel 13, the documentary will air July 11th, 12th, and 13th. Cool. I don't know about the rest of the country, but check your local uh, public TV stations. See if there's a schedule online. It's probably going to be on or around the same time. All right. July 11th, 12th, and 13th, an accidental studio on WNET in New York, Channel 13. Don't forget the 1973 film, That'll Be the Day, starring Ringo with David Essex. That's due out on DVD and Blu-ray, July the 7th, on Ringo's birthday. Record Store Day. We now know that the John Lennon single, the remix, the 2020 remix for Instant Karma, and the first McCartney album now remastered, they're coming out August the 29th. 7,000 copies have been made for each. A few more news items. The Connecticut Post is reporting that Ed Sullivan's TV shows are being made available for streaming on their own YouTube channel. So many iconic performances from the Beatles, Elvis Presley, the Beach Boys, Supremes, Temptations will be coming. And right now they already have seven performances posted on their YouTube channel. Um, this is all due to a new deal between Universal Music Entertainment and Sofa Entertainment Incorporated. Good news right there. You can watch so that's Sullivan. Just, it's, so it's just the performance, not the, uh, not the whole show? I'm pretty sure it's strictly individual songs, I think. Okay. Hmm. All right. The UK's Guitarist magazine has a special 50th anniversary Let It Be guitar special issue just out. 
The TCM channel will be running a hard day's night on June the 27th at 8 p.m. Um, I have news about a new Fab Four Masterclass, which starts on June the 25th with our very own Ken Womack. <laughs> it looks like that's news to you, is it? <laughs> no, I, it comes highly recommended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to say anything about it? Because I know you're doing that with Scott Freeman. We are, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it was born out of our 92nd Street Y, uh, Abbey Road, Abbey Road show. Um, and the idea is to simply provide uh, folks like yourselves, perhaps, um, mm -hmm. even uh, with a uh, behind the scenes look at isolation mixes, uh, great stories behind the song. Uh, and fr frankly, it's very much like my course that I teach uh here at monmouth and and previously so hope folks will join it's it's going to be a lot of fun okay maybe i'll provide a link later if people want to that's a know. great idea thank okay. you so much ken okay <laughs> and just to make sure i don't forget we send out happy birthday wishes to paul mccartney the man wow. who played the game of life so well who this <laughs> thursday will turn 78 and uh, and also this very day, Harry Nilsson would be 79. Wow. And his son, Kifo, is 35. Happy birthday, Kifo. All right, speaking of Paul, we do have to talk about Flaming Pie. <laughs> Last Friday, the official announcement was made and the release date for the archival box set and various releases is now pushed back to July 31st. Um, there will be a five CD, two DVD, and four LP collector's edition. Also a five CD and two DVD deluxe edition, plus a three LP, a two LP, and two CD editions. Now, we could spend an hour just talking about the contents here. We're gonna try and, and cover this as concisely as we can. But I thought I'd talk about the deluxe edition first because everything in the deluxe edition is also in the collector's edition. Right. So like I said, the deluxe edition has five CDs. You get the remastered album. You get one CD of all home recordings with a demo for Beautiful Night. There's also a CD of demos, acoustic versions, rough mixes, including for a whole life. That's kind of interesting because it does date back to around 1995 when Paul was first working on the song Whole Life. Although the version that came out had members of his later band. Yes. Because that was recorded in uh, 2003 or finished up in 2003. There's a demo for If You Wanna, a rude cassette demo for Heaven on a Sunday and an unreleased song called Come On Down, Come On Baby. There's another CD called Flaming Pies. These were the bonus songs on the CD singles from the album. Also, the six bonus tracks of segments from the Ubu Jubu radio series, plus the Ballad of the Skeletons, which Paul recorded with uh, Allen Ginsberg. And there's a fifth CD called Flaming Pie at the Mill. They don't tell us anything about that. That is the hour-long uh, Hog Hill, or I mean, it's not Hog, I'm sorry, but Mill, Hog his Hill. studio tour. Yeah, his studio tour, um, which I believe was a BBC uh, uh, presentation. Okay, but this is strictly audio, though. Yes, yes. And I okay, think that's so how it was presented, was, was just an audio uh, program. Oh, okay. 
All right, interesting. Um, there's two DVDs. The video special for In the World Tonight takes up one DVD. And there's a second disc that is mainly select videos for songs from the album, two videos each for The World Tonight and Young Boy. There's a video for Beautiful Night and a video for the making of the Beautiful Night video, a video for Little Willow, two EPKs for Flaming Pie and for the In the World Tonight documentary, uh, a meeting for the artwork for the album, performances on TFI Fridays and uh, David Frost interviewing Paul, plus a 128 page booklet of Linda McCartney photos, expanded album artwork, the stories behind the songs, interviews in the book with Paul, Ringo, Jeff Lynn, and Steve Miller, plus what I always love the most, aside from the audio and the video, <laughs> handwritten lyrics for eight of the songs. Okay, so that's everything in the deluxe, the well, collector's edition. Not, not necessarily. From my understanding, well, we're also we're also getting hidden tracks on both the deluxe and the collectors. Ooh, where did you find so. that out? Well, I can't tell you everything. From what I've gathered, it's, you're going to get a, a, a 12th track on CD2, which will be an instrumental great day. And then on CD3, track 11 will be the Beautiful Night, You're a Bastard edition of, of that, um, of that oh. song. Wow. Okay. I've seen, you know, Paul and Ringo rehearsing that. Yes. They, they use right. that in the lyrics. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, the collector's edition is limited to 3,000 copies. Issued in a cloth-wrapped two-piece collector's box, it will feature everything in the deluxe edition, plus a marbled art print portfolio of six silkscreened Linda McCartney art prints, exclusive vinyl versions of the remastered album cut at half speed across two albums, and an exclusive gatefold sleeve. Uh, there'll be an album of home recordings, in a hand-stamped white label sleeve and the Ballad of the Skeletons. Paul's collaboration with Allen Ginsberg, um, released for the first time on vinyl and cut at 45 RPM with vinyl etching and a poster. Now the collector's edition in American money <laughs> should be around $600. The deluxe edition should be around $400. In addition to all that, there's a two CD version, which is the remastered album, plus another disc of 21 tracks of bonus audio. There's a two LP version, which is strictly the remastered album, cut at half speed, um, 180 gram vinyl. And there's a three LP version with the remastered album, plus a disc of all home recordings. Right. Hopefully that covers everything. <laughs> Okay, uh, we could easily talk for an hour about this. And I think at some point we're going to, especially when it all comes out. Of course. I know I've ordered the deluxe edition. Yep, um, me too. It's not as important for me to get everything else. In the no, collection. although I will say, Ken, that if Paul McCartney hand signed every copy and got writer's cramp and would personalize it to me or to anybody else who wanted it, then I might pay $500. <laughs> but not six. And he'd Please. hand deliver it. He would come to yeah, my well, house. I'd go 600 for that. <laughs> Don't laugh. Yeah, you know, Gene Simmons did something similar to that. He had this big uh, yes. bulk collector's <laughs> yeah. box where if you spent like $1,200 or something like that, he came to your home and hand delivered that, uh, that vault. 
And in the in the comments here, Bob Wilson says it also has some of Paul's toenail clippings in it. <laughs> Wait, does that come with a certificate of authentication? <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> and that friend is Ken Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> you getting that for me? <laughs> and is he going to the same nail salon as the Queen? Yeah, that's right. You know. I, <laughs> Queen of all pedicures. Right. <laughs> You've got to show everyone your, your latest pedicure. Which yeah, is on that's Facebook, right. I'll, yeah, that'll, that'll be the bonus footage on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's an upcharge. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> to see that. Another $100. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so online, a lot of people are just complaining about the price, and it's understandable Naturally. for everything. But um, as far as contents, it looks like there's a lot of stuff on here. Um, yeah. So I would just hold off myself to until uh, I've listened to everything and watched everything. You know, there's, there's so much that I wish would be there that's not. Right. But um, I, I'll talk more about it when, when it all comes out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We'll, yep. we'll, of course, discuss this in depth when, uh, when it comes out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the deluxe edition is fine with me. <laughs> yeah. and, and we're not paying none of us here are paying 400 by the way when ken said it's 400 right it's half that that we're let's let's just for. say we'll just say shop around <laughs> around a little of the song as as exactly Robinson as the said. song says you better shop around yeah and uh, you'll you'll find some deals <laughs> okay so that's uh, all the news well thank you ken and uh, as we said at the outset tonight's topic is the 2004 compilation John Lennon Acoustic, um, and uh, which uh, Tom Hunyadi is helpfully displaying. As you can see there, a photo from- Mine's got a jewel case, yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah. yeah, the heck with Hunyadi. Thank you, Mayo. Um, yeah, uh, with I'll a just, cover- I'll show the back cover. <laughs> very nice. Uh, and both, both photos are from the September 1980 Hit Factory sessions. I believe, is that John with his hummingbird acoustic guitar? Um, in the back cover? I don't know if that's a hummingbird. It is a jewel case. But in any event, yes. um, uh, regardless, uh, that is tonight's subject. And it is an interesting subject that does dovetail with the, the conversation that uh, my fellow Ken led moments ago about Flaming Pie in the sense that um, while it wasn't as an elaborate or an expensive uh, compilation by any stretch. Um, it certainly was a compilation and it begs the question um, of its value. Uh, now, as Ken also said a moment ago, of course, he'll, he's reserving judgment until Flaming Pie is in his hands and he can listen to the contents and uh, hopefully, and I do believe we all hope for this when we get these compilations, he'll be pleasantly surprised and hear new things and new aspects of the songs, et cetera. Um, but having said that, uh, as, as our August panel here knows, back in 2004, uh, Lennon Acoustic was not met <laughs> with such <laughs> fanfare. Um, uh, now at this point, of course, John had been dead for nearly 24 years. Um, and had been the subject of several uh, co uh, compilations. There was some excitement, of course, because of being able to have acoustic tracks. But of course, when we found out what the contents were, the excitement ebbed somewhat because every single one of them had already been available. 
Um, well, so, not not commercially. Well, most of both. them were. Nine of them were on the anthology. Right. Yeah. There, there were seven that didn't come out on a Lenin release. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There were some that had been previously bootlegged for bootlegged. sure. Yeah, well, that's bootlegs. Uh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, they had definitely been heard. I mean, there was nothing really new here, that's for mm. sure. In any event, uh, as we discuss this, I think we ought to talk about this aspect of it uh, before because it was the subject uh, among fans and, and consumers back in that day. Uh, we should reflect on this issue and then, of course, talk about what really matters and what John Lennon always said would matter, uh, you know, years from now and even years from now, many years from now, which will be, of course, the music. Um, so, Ken, why don't you kick us off? Well, let me start by saying that at the time when it came out, I interviewed Yoko on the phone about this album. And she told me the primary purpose of putting this out was just to showcase the fact that John was a good guitar player. You know, the Beatles don't get enough credit for being really great musicians. And in the case of John, he's known for being a great songwriter and a great poet, but he's not thought of as being a great guitar player. And that's why she put this out. So um, there are seven tracks on here that hadn't been released commercially on a Lennon release. Um, I would say this is more of a mainstream release. I don't think it's something that was geared towards a hardcore fan, the John Lennon anthology box set was. But if you want a single disc of John playing the acoustic guitar, this is a fine example of it for people who are not gonna say, oh, but most of this was on the anthology box. So if you listen to these songs, you know, um, for the most part, I, I consider it a good collection for the casual fan, thinking of it that way. And not just thinking, oh, that version of Working Class Hero was on the, the anthology box. It's still a great version of Working Class Hero. Right. And um, I think most of all, what I like about this collection is that, and, and it's not just this collection, but we've been treated, especially through the Lost Lennon Tapes radio series, which was to me the greatest gift that Yoko ever gave to the fans. There's just a treasure trove of Lennon recordings, unreleased, alternate takes, different mixes, all that that came out on the radio series. I kind of wish everything that was in the radio series was released commercially. But, you know, John recorded songs in diff different ways. There are songs that you think of as being more piano driven, like watching the wheels or imagine. And then you hear him play it on acoustic guitar and it has a, a different vibe altogether. And they work very well on acoustic guitar. As a matter of fact, when I think of watching the wheels, there's a radio station that I listen to here in Connecticut that I actually get from Long Island that plays uh, when it comes to Beatles and solo, they like to play anthology stuff, Beatles anthology, and they do play uh, demos and early recordings of Beatles songs, and they do play Watching the Wheels from this. I think it's the only thing I've ever heard on the radio station from this collection. But the fact <laughs> is, is the version on here. I like I, that. Version. I love it. Yeah, I think this version of Watching the Wheels is a gem. Absolutely. Uh, granted, yes, it was on the anthology, the Lennon anthology first, 
Although that had a pretty high price tag, you know, going back to expensive, particularly in its own day, the linen anthology was not cheap for some people. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, folks might not have paid that entrance fee uh, to get it, to get inside that, uh, that box set. Right. Well, like I said, that, that was more for the hardcore fan. Yeah. Who wants to hear every alternate take that there is or different versions of songs. That's a nice um, distinction, Ken. That's a nice distinction. It's like not every Beatle fan's going to buy every Beatles box set, you know, the deluxe versions of everything. Some of them want the two CD versions, for example, you know. So, um, and at the same time, a song like Cold Turkey is a real treat for me, heard acoustically, because that's a song that you think of with electric guitars glaring at you with that, you know, repeated riff over and over again. It's, you think of it as an electric guitar recording, and here it is on acoustic guitar, and it has a different feel to it, but it works. It's fast it's and raunchy. Yeah. Well, thank so, you, Ken. What about you, Mayo? So you like, you like the less raunchy version, too? Uh, no, well, I, uh, as far as the album goes, well, you know, as a collector, I, I got it because it came out, but it, it wasn't really anything... Uh, groundbreaking only because, as we've said, you know, I had heard the whole series of the Lost Lennon tapes and I have a series of, you know, bootlegs and all, did I say that? Bootleg? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> and the anthology. So it was more like a placeholder, really. I mean, physically, for physical media, love the packaging. I think it's a nice design. There's a nice booklet that comes with the CD. If it would come out on vinyl someday, I'd want to collect that. But um, the stuff I'd, I'd heard already, you know, I think Ken was right there when he says for the casual fan, it, it's more appropriate. I think a lot of people in the comments, I saw people saying they, they've worn it out. Uh, people are saying it's <laughs> one of their favorite, uh, you know, John uh, uh, releases. Uh, I love the working class hero version, even though I had heard it already. And love. See, couple of the songs like that, uh, we talked about watching the wheels and working class hero and love. To me, they seem better uh, rounded, you know, these particular versions. They're more full, more realized, um, as opposed to some other ones, such as maybe we're talking about stuff like uh, what you got, you know, the when he's just trying to figure that out. Never was really a fan of that one, personally, as far as the uh, demo version and just trying to feel that out. I like, I like the finished version from Walls and Bridges. Mm. But I always thought that was a little kind of, uh, I don't know, all over the place and kind of just messing about and scruffy, you know, kind of thing. I have some favorites. Uh, they have, you know, woman is the N-word of the world on there. Uh, very short, 54 seconds. Almost makes me wonder why it bother, except yeah. for historical reasons. Mm. But I, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is for me, if it was a more rounded, very with everything rounded off and maybe better demo better takes it sound almost like they could be studio tracks i think it would be a, a more pleasant listen it's kind of all, all over the place and uneven in that regard uh but people haven't heard something like god the version where he does the gospel send up uh mm. kind of preacher voice yeah. that's a real treat on here that one yeah and um that's pretty much my feelings right out of the gate for it can All I just right. comment about what you got? Because uh, apart from the fact that, you know, I love that song. I love the version on Walls and Bridges. But 
kind of like what we sometimes say about the Beatles works. You like to hear the evolution of a song. Mm -hmm. You like to hear how words change, how certain things are taken out, right. you know, or not used. Um, or, yeah, in this case, you've got in the verses, it's nothing like the version that came out. Yeah, <laughs> right. The only thing that's the same is the chorus. So yeah. just to know an earlier version that John worked on, I find it fascinating. I'm not saying it's better than the release version, but that's what I find interesting to hear how songs develop from start to finish. Well, and of course, oh, that's no. always the challenge with, uh, when it, particularly when it comes to John Lennon demos, because so many of them were fragments. He worked in fragments, and as we know from his Beatles and solo work, he would then merge the fragments together to create a whole. Mm. Um, but as you know, as Ken said, it's it's always fun to sort of watch the or, or excuse me hear the evolution. What about you, Hanyadi? Well, <laughs> Doctor Womack, um, this this was my gateway to the John Lennon anthology, so I actually had this first. Um, so I didn't realize that you know tracks from. Uh, from here, we're, we're first on the anthology. Um, so, you know, I'm glad I did end up upgrading to the anthology. So, but I think as, as Ken and, and Joe said, I think this is, is more targeted more towards the casual fan. However, I think it's also geared towards the, the you know, inspiring acoustic guitar player because, you know, if you can see inside the notes, you get, you know, the chords for, for mm. the songs, you know, and, uh, and in the back, it has a, um, uh, a chord diagram, which, you know, was pretty cool, too. So if you're an inspiring uh, acoustic guitar player, you know, this came in pretty handy. Um, I don't know if they if he put out uh, sheet music for books for, for the albums back in the 70s or not. Um, but if you didn't have those, then then this came in handy for the songs that were in the, uh, the book. So, I mean, in that sense, you know, I think it's pretty cool. That, that you can see the chords and then you know like you guys said you know i i the tracks on here that i i dig i think like joe said the you know god the introduction to that i think is is fine um i've always loved the uh the live version of luck of the irish you know i'm a mm -hmm. um, fan of yoko's vocals on that actually and um and what was the other song they did john sinclair, sinclair. uh yeah so live in ann arbor that was good the watching the wheels is is excellent but um you know, looking back at it now, um, yeah, I mean, I would rec recommend this for a beginner, for, you know, a beginner um, of, of, of John Lennon fans, um, and then gradually, you know, maybe step up to the John Lennon anthology. How about you, Queen? <laughs> well, peasant. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> You're still bleeping peasants. As far That's as criticism of this when it first came out because yes we have heard much of of what was on here before but i kind of like having it all together on one collection i like the theme the, the acoustic theme um i've always enjoyed uh this collection because first of all it gives you an opportunity to appreciate john as a guitarist not as a, he was never really a lead guitarist, but he was a damn good rhythm guitarist. And mm. you hear that here. Uh, mm. You really do on things like, uh, and, and 
I have to um, defend what you got here. I, that's one of my favorite tracks on this. I really love the version of what you got on here. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Joe. <laughs> sorry. Okay. I mean, okay. it, yeah, I mean, I yeah. love the final. It's one of my favorite John tracks, period. I you're mean, knowingly, you're knowingly siding with Ken Michaels. So I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Joe. I got to go with Usually guys. we agree. We usually agree. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we do. We usually are on the same page, but, but here I, I've got to, I got to yeah. go with Ken on this one. I, I've always. And it is fascinating. That. It is fascinating evolution. I'll give you that. It is. And that's one of the. Yeah. But, but that's one of the fascinating things too, about this collection that I'm, I'm like Ken, that I love hearing the evolution of a song and that yeah. that's uh, a great example. Another thing I like about this collection is you can hear the different influences uh, that on, on, John's music. I mean, even Cold Turkey, you can hear the influence of Yoko on that, the way he, he sings that. I mean, to me, you, I mean, that's, a, that's like yeah. Yoko's vocals. I mean, right. you know, it's almost, yeah, I mean, you can really hear that. Uh, on that version, and I like that version too. I mean, it's it's not yes. as as quite as raw and 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 rough as the final version, but mm. it's it's raw in its own way, though. Uh, it it really is. God, uh, this version, and yes, he's at the beginning, as as you said, Joe. It's kind of that funny preacher kind of voice he he comes on with, but it's also very Dylan esque to me i mean it does he say uh dylan instead of zimmerman in that yeah well yeah and that's hilarious to me that you know he mentioned then of course in the final version i think he says i don't believe in zimmerman you know but but here i mean he's channeling dylan in in this version um you know with uh well 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 uh i mean that's pure blues uh that he's doing there so you really Mm -hmm. hear the, the different kind of influences on his on his music and in this when you strip it down um, to just him and the guitar and uh, and finally boy as I listen to this I also think wouldn't it have been wonderful if he you know had he lived and gone on tour I would have loved to have heard him do like what Paul does on his tours to have like the unplugged section. Yeah, the uh, wouldn't yeah. that have been wonderful because he was yeah. i mean he was so good at that and it's a shame too that he was so insecure about his voice because that live version of imagine that's on here i mean mm-hmm. he nails the vocals on that um yeah. and it's just astounding to me that that he was always so insecure about his voice because he his vocals on uh, many of these songs some of them aren't perfect but they're demos what do you expect but most of them, I mean, they're they're just uh, the vocals are just absolutely piercing and and um, and just so intimate, you know. And so, as I said, while yes, we've heard many of these tracks before, I like having them in one collection um, and having them themed as this acoustic. So it, it appeals to the inner control freak inside of you who wants everything to be organized like the shelves behind you. That's exactly. <laughs> it's just a massive conspiracy of control for you. Exactly. Boxing everything up, knowing that everything is just so. Thank you for that. It's, it's, the, it's the queen in me. Yeah, oh know? no, it's the queen of all <laughs> you survey. That's Clear. right. You know, I uh, so I'm I'm going to tell the truth now. I have a, a an interesting relationship with this record because, um, and I just said record, which dates all of us, right? But um, I, I have an interesting relationship with it in that I knew that this thing was coming out, and I had every song on it already. <laughs> 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 Ruined about various other releases, 
Um, but I was at, uh, and this would have been in, in dear old Altoona, Pennsylvania, when they still had a few record stores. I was at one of them and they had this thing for like a bargain basement price um, where you couldn't pass it up. It was so beyond uh, the list price. I thought, well, why not? I, you know, I was still collecting CDs in a different way, right? As we all were at that point in 2004. So I bought the thing and I put it in the car stereo and I say this because, of course, that was such an interesting transitional moment, right? We were all about to get, if you didn't have it already, iPods and, you know, portable devices. Um, and a, a big revolution was coming our way. But when you would put a CD in your car back in those days, especially as you began to get your iPod, etc., it would sort of stay there for a while. Do you remember this phenomenon where, in fact, I think it's true in our cars right now. If you went out there, there will be a CD in each one of them that's probably been there for like four years. Uh, I think one of them quite literally is from the Sgt. Pepper uh, 2017 box set. Um, uh, I'm serious. I, I'm almost certain that's in one of our cars. But I, uh, in this long-winded way, my point is um, I got a lot of use out of it because it was the CD in heavy rotation. Right. So if I came in and I didn't want to mess around with what it took to get my iPod iPod going back in those days, you know, the various switches I had to flip and contraptions I had to do to get things rolling. I listened to that album over and over and over on my commutes, my various routine commutes and got to know it very well. And, and listening to your comments just now reminded me of the kind of experience I had with it. And it was a good one, you know. Um, and uh, I kind of got used to, uh, as Ken was referring to earlier, those, those, those little differences, right? Uh, lyrical, uh, perhaps a musical flourish here or there. Um, you know, the sound of Bob Dylan on watching the wheels, <laughs> uh, you know, occasionally in the vocal. I enjoyed it. And uh, I'm so glad you guys selected this for tonight because it did bring back those kind of memories. Now, as we move to the next question, um, though, I, I think it is worth reflecting again on Flaming Pie. We've had a different McCartney experience and a different Lennon experience in the age of compilations, have we not? Um, it has not been, uh, frankly, as similar as I personally would have liked. I would like, uh, just speaking for myself, but I'd rather hear from you, uh, more outtakes that give me more flavor for um, Plastic Ono Band or Imagine, you know, or you name it. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when are we going to get the John Lennon Archive series or um, the, you know, the mastered versions of those Lost Lennon tapes uh, that, you know, I have on a pile of CDs about as high as my desk? <laughs> you know, um, what do you think? Starting off with you, Ken Michaels. Well, everything is so tight-lipped about what might come out, but um, the fact that last year, um, or was it actually 2018, when the Imagine box set came out, I thought a masterful job was done on that box set. And, you know, there are rumors about a Plastic Odal Band box set coming out the end of this year. So does that mean we'll get the same treatment for every Lennon album? I don't know. The thing is, you know, John, John said that Plastic Auto Band and Imagine were his best albums, and then Double Fantasy was the next 
really good album. So he was kind of dismissing the works in between there, which I think is a shame. Because I really think we should have similar treatments to Mind Games and Walls and Bridges and, and even sometime in New York City, despite the fact that some people look at that as, you know, possibly his weakest of all of his solo albums, Rock and Roll 2. Um, I'd like to see that happen. Um, I think we're living at a time where the people who grew up with this music, it's important to have bonus material instead of just relying on hearing the same versions over and over for so long. That's how, you know, the, all this archival stuff now, there used to be a time when artists would put out old, old albums and then put a couple of bonus tracks on there from the same sessions. Now you got box sets of things. <laughs> and so that's how they're making money for the, for the veteran acts from the 60s and 70s and all to package all this up because they know that there are those hardcore fans that will shell out this kind of money. And, you know, I, I don't think that McCartney's box sets have sold all that well, but yet they continue for some reason. And it must be because there's enough people to spend the money to warrant putting it out, especially if you release a limited edition, like 3,000 copies of this collector's edition of Flaming Pie, or that version of Red Rose Speedway with the live CD, which I think was only 3,000 copies. Right. You know, that kind of thing. That attracts the collector that's out there. And yeah, I can complain about the prices of all this stuff. I only really care about owning all the audio and video. The rest of the packaging, and I love the booklets, the photo booklets, they're, they're really precious. All the Linda McCartney photos and all that. But um, yeah, uh, the thing is, there is a market out there. There are Beatle fans out there that will buy anything who have to have everything. And they some of them care more about it being a collector's item than they care about the music itself to some degree. Some of them will buy these collector's editions and not even open them, you know? Uh, so there is a market out there for all this stuff. Um, we have heard, and we reported this year on, on this show, that um, there's a strong possibility of All Things Must Pass, a box set coming out the end of this year, and the Harrison family looking into the concert for Bangladesh, living in the material world, the 74 tour, it was mentioned a few months ago about that. You don't say that and then not do anything about it. <laughs> okay, so I do believe that'll come out, but you know, I don't think that you'll get any lavish treatment of Ringo's catalog. Maybe the Ringo album, you know, it all depends on how much bonus material there is. You can find alternate takes of a lot of songs. Yeah, you know, but you still could have you still could have released a 50th anniversary of of Sentimental Journey just the album itself. I mean, I don't think that's ever been reissued on vinyl. Well, it came out maybe on CD Friday Music will get around to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, speaking of then, you know, this topic generally, and uh, as, as we turn to Mean Mr. Mayo, um, you know, we did get the double fantasy revisioning. <laughs> um 10 years ago uh and i you know was was that an acceptable collection in this vein joe I, I, at first as you mentioned that one i didn't really care for it at first uh, i i've grown to like it in an interesting way stripped down your, your version right you're referring to 
Uh, I find a lot of it very interesting now that I've really given it a lot of listens and really opened myself up to the idea. At first, I was like, well, you know, I don't know if John really wanted this. Because, you know, his voice, he wasn't so uh, happy with his own voice. But, uh, well, he was wrong, you know. His voice was, was pretty damn good. He was wrong. He was, uh, he was often wrong <laughs> about his guitar playing to go back. Oh, of course. Of course. He was, <laughs> he would mock but, that. you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned when you said about Double Fantasy, because I, I just wanted to say something there when you were asking about what stuff could come out that you might be interested in. I, number one on my list would be more Double Fantasy video footage. Now, I know it's supposedly destroyed or there isn't much. We did get a little clip of him performing on I'm Losing You that I think a lot of us have yeah. seen. Uh, that kind of, you know, wet my, my whistle. You know, it, was, it was really like woman at the mouth for war. That, that stuff. Um, but, you know, that's something. It, it's, it's so limited, the amount of, of John material we can have, sadly, because he's been gone for 40 years. And a lot of what he has out there to offer us, of course, is going to be a word I hate using. Ken doesn't like it either, Ken Michaels. Dated. <laughs> uh, dated in the sense that what I mean in this case is not so much the musical style. I mean, it's politics of the 70s, you know, uh, stuff that's long gone, unfortunately. But speaking of 70s, I wouldn't mind that cleaned up, maybe improved version of the live in New York City, yep. 72, if we can, if that comes to fruition, I'd like to see a really uh, improved release of that, whatever they could, could do to that. The other show was supposedly better. And, they have uh, been working on that. Yeah. It has been work done on it. And is it Jack Douglas, right? Jack Douglas? Yeah. He Tell said me. the problem is more with the video than the audio. Hmm. So I don't know when exactly it'll come out, but he was asked to work on it. And, and, you know, while I love, uh, you know, the uh, Plastic Ono Band album, Imagine, I kind of feel like it, the same thing happens with John's albums that happened with the Beatles and Sgt. Pepper. It's always like, all about Pepper, you know, to start out with. Well, it's always about Imagine. I love Imagine. It might be my favorite John Lennon album. But I'd like to see the same treatment as that wonderful set we got, Run for Walls and Bridges, Mind Games, and sometime yeah. we go sitting down the line. I hope it's going to happen. I think it will. Eventually. Hmm. What about you, Hunyadi? What about me? <laughs> well, I mean, to get back to the earlier point about the, you know, these releases and, you know, what's on them, um, I'm, I, I like what he's offering us on, what Paul's offering us on, on this Flaming Pie set, where we were talking about how much we liked those, the evolution of the song. We really didn't get much of that in those earlier collections of, of Paul's. You know, now we're, you know, starting with uh, Flowers in the Dirt, we got what those the great demos. duets, great mm. demos with, with Elvis. And then we got the, uh, you know, the, the next CD was more of uh, the, the actual song and, and how, you know, Paul would have liked them to, to come out. But, um, but then now with Flaming Pie, we're getting a little bit more, you know, into that as well, you know, you're getting a couple versions of Little Willow, a couple versions of, of, uh, of Beautiful Night and so on. So I think maybe he is taking a little bit of a cue from the, uh, from the Lennon set and, and giving us, I mean, I still would have loved some isolated vocal, vocal tracks or some isolated or orchestration tracks, you know, maybe from Beautiful Night or something like that. But, um, you know, these sets, you know, <laughs> I remember picking my first box set, the Rod Stewart Storytellers box set and paying $50 for that. And I thought that was crazy, <laughs> you know, but, uh, 
Oh, those were the days. Yeah, those were the days. Yeah, right? <laughs> what about you? Know, you uh, what about forty dollars a day? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Queen? <laughs> well, you know, one thing, uh, uh, Ken, that you were saying about the Imagine box set, I I would definitely love to see uh, the one in the state put out more like that. I mean, that was a first class job. Um, I yeah. love that set. I'd love to see more of that. And and as you were saying about the um, McCartney archive sets, I mean, clearly there's a market for that. I mean, mm -hmm. I you know, it's I, yes, they're not number one bestsellers, but there's clearly a, a niche, a collector's niche for that, as they sell out. Uh, certainly, you know, we were talking before the show about the suitcase edition of Egypt no, Station. No, that's not how you said it. How'd you say it? <laughs> the, okay, the damn suitcase. That's how I refer to it, the damn suitcase. But you said, uh, Tom, it sold out. Yeah. So, I mean, there is clearly a niche market for this. So, I, you know, that doesn't have to be on that level, but I would love to see more of these box sets. And, and Joe, as you were saying about like Walls and Bridges, that's, I think, a very underrated album of John's. Oh, that's my third, favorite, my third favorite. Yep, mm. absolutely. I would love to see a box set for that. And yeah, I would love to see uh, and hear more outtakes, um, demos. I mean, I, I love that stuff. And right. so, uh, yeah, I would love that. Uh, for Double Fantasy, I'd love to see a full treatment of that, too. I'd love to hear more of the Cheap Trick sessions. I've always mm. wanted to hear mm. that. Right. So, um, you know, so there is more out there that, that I think we would all, you know, love to hear. And it's out there. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just a matter of, of convincing, you know, the estate that there is a market. Um, that that you know this stuff will sell and it, you know, and it will speaking of, speaking of that queen um i uh, i take very gentle issue uh with uh I, I believe it was tom perhaps it was joe who said that you know perhaps uh paul's taking a cue from you know the imagine release for example mm -hmm. i think he's actually taking a cue from the consumer yeah. uh in this case i think we've made it pretty clear that you know, we sure we liked those earlier box sets and we bought them, but we really would like to, Absolutely. to have more of those evolutionary tracks, as Ken yeah. put it. We know we, we, we have a hunger for that. And yeah. I think that's kind of our base expectation at this point. We want yeah. to see that. Sort I think of thing. And I've liked the fact that Paul has re responded to that or his people have right. responded to that and provided us with more more of that kind of material. I mean, it's felt like uh, kind of an uptick in quality. Right. Uh, you know, from these last few box sets that we've been able to get more material, you know, as Ken said. Yeah. I think that was the early complaint on a lot of those bonus discs was there was not really a lot of bonus content, oh. you know, for us, you know, especially, you know, I think Pipes of Peace was lacking. I think Wings Over or Speed of Sound was lacking. So, yeah, Definitely. I mean, there's a lot of that, you know, that, you know, it's and I also, think you know, it's also going to be an important um, kind of bridge, if you will, mm -hmm. to millennials and post-millennials uh, who are going to be less interested in the suitcase or, you know, how Kit puts it, um, <laughs> with that <laughs> lipstick, you know, language of hers. Um, <laughs> and it, it, people are going to, the, the, the millennials and the post-millennials, I can tell you from, you know, in-class uh, uh, evidence are very interested in how things are made um, mm -hmm. and less 
you know, about carrying around a suit or a pretend suitcase. So um, <laughs> they really want to hear how they want to pick up, you know, it's why they have all these YouTube videos about how to fix a washing machine or what have you. There right. is a true and very genuine interest in how things are made. And both Beatles and solo Beatles uh, archives have a lot of stories to tell in that regard. And speaking of stories to tell, I notice it's about 10 p.m. here on the East Coast. And uh, what have you got going on, Ken Michaels, before we wrap up for tonight? Well, I'm appearing on a number of uh, other Beatle podcasts. Um, Ethan Alexanian, who is one of the <laughs> new uh, Beatle podcast DJs from Canada. I believe he's 18 years old. He, he yes, is the, cool the symbol of, of, uh, of the youth. Yep. of the future Absolutely. of Beatle fandom, if it is. And um, I'm going to be, be appearing uh, on one of his shows. It should be posted like any day now. And um, we talk about my favorite Beatles and solo Beatle music, how I got into the Beatles in the first place, and my recent 2000 show milestone of my career. And um, in addition to- road miles, pal. It's a lot, it's a lot. I was expecting all of you to buy me a wheelchair at this point. But, uh, <laughs> well, on order. I'm having it. Things are slower right now. Okay. Right. Uh, It'll be there. I hope you didn't want the electric. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm in the mood for that one. Just, ah. just, just the deluxe uh, wheelchair, not the collector's wheelchair. That's yeah. true. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> that, not that one. What about um, you, Tom H.? Well, thank you, sir. As, as Ken Michaels, I also appeared on Ethan Alexanian's wonderful Fans on the Run podcast and uh, Two Legs. You know, obviously we had yourself, Dr. Womack. We had Kittle Tool. We had uh, Ken Michaels. We had uh, D or, uh, Darren DeVivo on past episodes. A future episode we're going to just record it yesterday. We played a fun new game where it's called uh, Remove Three and Add Three. And that's where we took three songs from the basic Egypt Station release and we added three songs from all of the uh, all the later songs that were released uh, throughout the following year. So that was a lot of fun. And we had Sam Wiles, my friendly uh, uh, UK Paul McCartney podcaster on. And we had my, our musical uh, director, um, Dylan Sevian. And we had my ex-co-host who actually agreed to do a video for the first time, uh, David Gargolino. So that was a lot of fun and that'll probably be up next week. Way to stay busy, Mr. Mayo. I am also uh, set to record a show of fans <laughs> on the run. <laughs> it's just a matter of who gets there right. first with the news, right? Yeah, uh, what's that guy's right. name again? Ethan <laughs> Alexanian. Yeah. It's a cool name. Right? I like hearing it. Oh, boy. I, I, I was hoping that I wouldn't have to say it, but I got it. I got it right. Uh, Okay, and uh, that's it. Other, other, other times, all you have to do is, is check out my Mean Mr. Mayo channel on YouTube. And there's Beatles stuff on there. And when it's not Beatles stuff, there's other stuff on there. But mostly Beatles stuff. And, all right. Uh, you well, know, stay mean, fun. pal. And what about you, Queen? <laughs> okay, point Something's boy. Something's got to be happening there. <laughs> In that closet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, what is that? Well, uh, I am back to doing my monthly show and uh, just did one uh, last week, which is on my Facebook page. And one of the things I announced is starting next month, uh, I'm going to be doing a monthly lecture series uh, since uh, 
because of the way things are, I'm not going to be appearing in person anytime soon <laughs> doing <laughs> presentations. So I'm going to be doing via Zoom. Um, my uh, some of my lectures that I've done at fests, at conferences, um, which uh, some of you uh, some of you have seen at, at fests and, and all. Ken, uh, Doctor Ken, you've seen some of them. So I'm going to be doing some of those online. Um, so once a month, uh, I'll be doing that. So I'll be giving you more details about that and how to register and and that kind of stuff. So uh, so it's about the Beatles' influences. Some are about the Beatles themselves. I think it's safe to say there'll be a Michael Jackson one in there as well. So uh, really looking forward to doing this. So I will, uh, I will post details as soon as I have them. So that's- By uh, the way, Ethan mm -hmm. says he's blushing. Oh, he's <laughs> blushing. And I've been on Ethan's show as well, by the way. I've, I've also been there. So Ken, come on. You're a lovely You've got to get on. He's, he's really, he's, he's a lot of fun. He's beyond, a lovely guy. With. Now, yeah, Kit, awesome. I understand uh, you also have an anthology coming out with a very distinguished, uh, internationally distinguished British press. Why, yes, I do, Ken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, it's it's with uh, with uh, the, yeah this guy that's uh, that's right next to me here. Yes, we have. Uh, we have an anthology that uh, is just a uh, final version is just going to Oxford University Press. It's about Beatles and fandom. We are so excited. Uh, this has been a long time been in the journey. making. <laughs> it has been a journey and uh, we, uh, we look forward to sharing it with folks and uh, it has a lovely preface forward written by uh, Mark Lapidos. Yes, it does. Telling right. his own story of the beginning of the Fest for Beatles fans and, of course, um, the way it has united folks low these many, many years. Like yep. the Talk More Talk video podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I think it's safe to say we'll be discussing this book on this podcast in the near future. Oh, I think we just might. It'll be yeah. in the closet somewhere, probably. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's somewhere back back here. There's a space right there on the left. You know? <laughs> That's right. I notice it is very carefully organized, as only a kiddo tool closet could be. <laughs> oh, only if her it's... handwriting was as neat. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> well, it, frankly, it looks very futuristic to me. Honestly, yeah. though. If we That's could me, do two episodes on Kit's handwriting. <laughs> Psychology. I have photos of it. I have taken yeah. photos. He it, did. He took I photos. Think, I know. It is her, it's her own special code. Mm -hmm. You cannot break the code. <laughs> and you can't break the queen. The old tool code. straight. Don't even try. Well, hey, thank you, everybody. And thank you for being here on our first Zoom version of Talk More Talk. Yay. All right. Well, Happy birthday, care. Paul. Yes. Right. Thanks, we'll everyone. See you next time. Thank you. <laughs>